Once Upon a Time, Season 4, Episode 14 is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap, and I am joined by our returning co-host. We missed him oh so much last week, but he he just caught the first express train into Storybrooke. Uh, it's Mr. Kurt Clark. Kurt, welcome back. Thank you. And, you know, it, it seems like Storybrooke should have a train station, to be completely honest. It, uh, it's the sort of thing that would fit in really well. And then I'm surprised it doesn't actually have one that we've seen. Because because the, the geography of this town tends to shrink and, and expand due to the uh, whatever is convenient for the plot. Or, or maybe it's the Harry Potter bias in terms of trains. Um, that's very true. I, I, oh, yeah. Maybe maybe they're at the train station. There's a, a magical that's another magical barrier into the enchanted forest. It's another way. It's another portal. Yeah, it's another. It's always, <laughs> there's always another portal. Now, Kurt, uh, as I talked about, we we just missed you last week. So before we really jump into this episode, uh, did you have any sort of overall opinions about the previous episode that where we found out a, uh, basically the basis of what Snow White and Charming Secret was? Uh, not a whole lot. I, I really enjoyed the episode. I do want to uh, clear up clear up one thing. I think that. That it, it seemed like like Brett was saying that you and I were saying that we didn't, you know, like Cruella. Uh, when in fact, I just want to clarify that it's like I think of the three evil villains. She's the one that fits in the least, but she's by far my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like, but she's she's the most anachronistic in terms of you know she's got this car, um, she's got these furs, the, her her dress. It seems like if there was a uh, evil villain in again, I think I mentioned this in our in our in our return podcast. If there was an evil villain residing in the world of the Darling family in uh, in London, it seemed like it might, that that might be where Cruella actually should reside. But in terms of her being a member of this trio, she's by far the one that I actually enjoy being there the most. So I, I have nothing but Cruella love. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think she's a great character, but I again, I'll not to parrot too much of what you said, but it's just that. In the Enchanted Forest setting, you know, in the flashback setting, she really does not. She sticks out like a sore thumb. But, I mean, looking at the outfits that Maleficent's going to wear in this episode, it, it's clear that uh, the, the the costume designers are going for a certain aesthetic, this story arc. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I'm, and I, I am enjoying the uh, the Maleficent get-up in Storybrooke time. Yeah, it's, it's it almost harkens a little bit back to Zelina, too, because Zelina liked to rock those fedoras as well. Yeah, I was getting kind of an Agent Carter vibe from it. Yeah, that's true. Very, very uh, ABC synergy there with Agent Carter. Yeah, yeah make make use of their wardrobe department. Uh, yeah. So this, so the, in this episode, as a general overview, uh, Regina's the plan to have Regina join the Queens of Darkness uh, was uh, was fully solidified. Uh, though it turns out that they knew that she knew that they knew uh, and that they were they were using her and now she's kind of in on this plan to uh, seems to torture August but we won't bury the lead too much since I'm sure we'll we'll get to that at the end the return of Aeon or Eon Bailey as the adult Pinocchio uh, let's let's get our flashback stuff out of the way here because um, there were there were copious amounts of flashbacks here this was the introduction of the Maleficent and uh, Regina relationship mm-hmm. though uh, the plot seemed to mimic a lot more of like how Stella got her groove back almost <laughs> I unfortunately cannot comment on the comparison between this and Stella got her groove back having not seen how Stella did indeed get her groove back <laughs> oh, it's a must see uh, King Stefan is a lot like Tay Diggs 
<laughs> and and I think just I'm guessing from the title that in this case Maleficent got her groove back. She did. She she got did. got her spark her spark back. That's exactly what it is. It's a a little less overtly sexual in this though. Uh, you know if if you're if you look if you're mining for that type of uh, of those themes, I'm sure you could find stuff in the fire analogies. But we won't get that far. A family podcast here. Um, but we start off in these flashbacks where we're. For the first time in a while, we flash back to Regina as a younger woman uh, when Snow White is kind of a a teenager, though I believe it's Jennifer Goodwin riding the horse. And, you know, Regina's having one of her typical Jan Brady spells where she's kind of jealous slash angry at all the the riding trophies that Snow White has. And this is in the middle of Rumpelstiltskin's tutelage or maybe near the beginning because Regina's frustrated that she basically doesn't know magic by now and she can't get her revenge at the moment, which is obviously a big reflection on the themes of this season. And, you know, Rumpelstiltskin always says, you know, it'll take time. It always takes the good things come to those who wait, but uh, she doesn't care. She wants to. She found a, apparently a spell book in it with her mother's things, uh, which talks about the evil sorceress Maleficent. And she talks about wanting to talk to Maleficent and kind of uh, throws out the idea of studying under her. So Gold says, you know, your wish is my command and <laughs> poofs her into this barren wasteland right outside where Maleficent's castle is. Yeah, it, it it seems like Gold was kind of trying to sorry Rumpel at this point was trying to you know teach her a lesson lesson about patience. But I think it seems like the bigger maybe issue for Regina here is that you know she doesn't really want to be a student. She's just completely focused on revenge. Yeah, and it, it, it's very like the opportunity that Rumpelstiltskin is presenting her is much bigger than that, but she is so kind of shorting the goal here. And, uh, and I think this is supposed to be a lesson for him, but I'm not sure if a lesson actually gets learned or not. No, absolutely not. I think the only lesson that gets learned is like, oh, now Regina has friends in high places. You know, now now she's very close with the with the evil sorceress Maleficent. But it's interesting comparing, you know, this whole revenge thing to kind of what's going on in the main plot as well, because uh, this this, you know, this plan by the Queens of Darkness and, and Gold is very carefully and, and very methodically laid out so much. Does, it almost seems to languish for a bit. And I might be on the writer's part to, you know, expand the Grandmaster plan to last an entire story arc. But it really shows how patient all of the, the villains are this season and how uh, they're, they're really testing the waters to make sure every facet of their plan goes off well, uh, which, again, supports Gold's theory completely. Yeah, and so, gosh, I don't want to go too far down the uh, quote-unquote rabbit hole, as it were, uh, in terms of piecing together things from a timing perspective. But yeah, this is this is quite a ways beef. Yeah, this is quite a ways before Maleficent and Cruella and uh, and Ursula were gathered in Maleficent's castle by gold to stop Regina. Yeah, because this because our just had to think that one out for myself. The scene that we saw in the return of the of this series uh, of the season, uh, where they all were gathering all up in this castle, that that's a little bit more closer to the the present day. Yeah, that's um, uh, that's post wedding, I believe, or, sure. or like post, yeah, almost like pre wedding. Um, so Regina enters the palace and Maleficent reveals herself and uh, Maleficent is kind of dressed like she's a, she's the fourth sister from Hocus Pocus. Uh, it's clear that she's, she's kind of a hot mess at this point. Um, 
though she there's a nice little uh, foreshadowing moment here for not only the end of the episode but also for the Sleeping Beauty story when she just kind of happens to have a powerful sleeping potion lying around. Did you? I know I, I know she talks about it in a second about Briar Rose, but did you think when she mentioned that stuff, Kurt, that that the the Sleeping Beauty stuff was immediately going to tie into this episode? I I didn't know if it was going to immediately tie in as directly as it did. I knew. <sighs> See, the thing is, like, I knew that Briar Rose was a name associated with the Sleeping Beauty uh, fairy tale. And, and, but then I also knew, wait, wait a minute, I know that Aurora is also the name of Sleeping Beauty. So I, was, I couldn't remember how Briar Rose actually fit into it. And I think, like, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, wait, in one telling, her name is Briar Rose, another it's Aurora. But we do learn, just over the course of this, that Briar Rose, basically, Maleficent, you know, does the same trick twice. She, she, you know, Briar Rose is Aurora's mother, is the traditional Sleeping Beauty as we know her. And so you kind of have Briar Rose and King Stefan. And then, you know, take two, you've got uh, Aurora and Philip. Yeah, you bring up a good point that it, it, it is weird. And something tells me in the writer's part, they're like, do we call her Aurora or do we call her Briar Rose? Yeah, let's, let's put both names in the family so that way everybody's happy. I'm pretty sure that she had always been Aurora in terms of the, yeah, in terms of when, when we had introduced her. But yeah, you're right. I think in terms of it, as they were creating the character, you know, back in, you know, was it season season two and really fleshing her out? You know, they were probably wondering, oh, which version do we go with? And then let's, let's use both. Well, we'll make Briar Rose the mom. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they're covering all their bases so that all the uh, pedantic uh, people that troll the comment sections on the Internet will, will not. Ha- they'll have one less thing to complain about. <laughs> you did not stick to the original telling of the story, not the original movie by Disney, but the original telling of Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. The original was like German fairy tale. Oh. Yes. Um, so... Yeah, so so Maleficent kind of gives her backstory that, you know, she she tried to put a spell on Briar Rose, but Steph, King Stefan kind of undid that. And, and now she's from what she infers, it appears that she's kind of lost her spark and really has lost all of her magical power. And she's quite bitter about this as she she kicks Regina out initially. And, and Regina has to kind of try to hitchhike slash walk her way home when she runs into now. Now, was this just somebody random, Kurt, or did I did I miss that he was a specific person uh as related to the story in the in the coach uh, i believe it just it was random party goer heading to the wedding of princess aurora briar rose's daughter okay and so so nice of this man to not only provide heaps of exposition but to also give regina a copy of that like that's like silver silver invitation uh you know i'm sure the the kingdom of king stefan had a, a lot of expenses that they're able to use on the wedding but man you know, having just sent out wedding invitations myself, I can't imagine printing them all on, on pieces of metal. Yeah, kind of a in, in, true engraving uh, in terms of the invitation. And and part of me was wondering, is is that carriage kind of, you know, did it go the way of the police car back in Storybrooke? Is the, is the, is the carriage off the side of the road? <laughs> smoldering keep as well that's true yeah we don't we don't know if that man ever makes it to the <laughs> wedding for all we know regina could have just murdered him and possibly murdered the horse she's she's capable of of doing things to horses later on as we'll see um <laughs> whoa no no it's, we're not getting into that we're not getting to equus territory here kurt um, oh, i think captain the great um no yeah I, I don't think that he gave her a copy of the invitation i think this is his invitation <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, like, if this, again, if this was basic cable uh, once upon a time, that, that uh, invitation would still have the hand attached to it. <laughs> oh, what if the driver of that carriage was David's father and, 
he had been drinking and this is where the whole you know drunken carriage ride comes from and like and, and regina leapt to her freedom just in time and, and grabbed the image there it all ties together that uh, you've you've cracked the code kurt this this is you've tied all the stories in one spot of time even more together than they were beforehand so uh the producers might have to shut us up soon since we're, i think we're on to the bigger picture here um but regina returns to maleficent's castle and kind of uses the invitation as a bargaining chip to say you know we uh you know you have to go back for this you have to get your revenge and it turns out that this is i think this is a larger story for regina in terms of like you know, if Maleficent can't get her revenge and get her happy ending, then neither can she in Regina's opinion. Um, but Regina is set on bringing Maleficent's fire back, both literally and metaphorically. So she she takes her out to the clearing, and I didn't bring this up before, but apparently it's very timely with the Passover holidays only a couple weeks upon us. Uh, there is a burning tree out in the middle of this clearing where Maleficent is that was burning ever since she turned into a dragon and burned down the forest a long time ago. And apparently they think if she just sucks up the fire, she'll, uh, she'll be imbued with her spirit once more and turn into a dragon. Uh, my, my only thing is that, you know, Regina is a bright woman, but do you think Maleficent would have thought about this before and the eons that she wasn't magical? Um, I don't think it's a matter of thinking of it. I mean, it wasn't, I think like she literally just lost her desire to do anything. I mean, it wasn't just like a, I think the means, I think it was the, the desire and the motivation that was there. And I, I, I do think it was Regina had to light the motivational spark and then they had to go find a way to light the physical spark. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, the, the bigger missing factor was the motivational spark, not the actual figure, not the actual uh, uh, magical one. So she had to find the spark inside before she could find the spark outside. Yes, we'll go with that. that that's one way to put it. <laughs> it's the key, that's a key plot point from how Stella got her groove back. <laughs> oh, OK, OK. No, it's not. It's not. At all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Maleficent's able to, I guess, uh, you know, there's a, uh, you know, like timey wimey esque rules with the magic in this land, of course. And one of them is that, you know, Maleficent's able to just kind of suck up the fire and she, she takes the time to clean herself up, though. Let's not forget that. Oh, that's she, true. Goes, she goes from having a look like she's like had a really, really rough month to like, you know, cleaning up and being some classic Maleficent garb. Yeah. So that's the interesting part, too, is that um, she her costume in the Enchanted Forest does very closely resemble Angelina Jolie's costume in the Maleficent movie. I'm not sure how to feel about that because, like, I can understand it, you know, again, Disney syn synergy. But at the same time, I kind of want those stories to be separate, you know, and I guess I'm glad that we spend so much time in present day Storybrooke because I don't want to necessarily see her in the same costume as someone who's already played Maleficent before. But, I mean, mm, I think that's the classic Maleficent costume, though, from the movies, too. Yeah, so I, I, did, I didn't really have I, I kind of looked at both, you know, the Angelina Jolie and we, we've seen uh, uh you know, Kristen Von Long Last Name. Von Bauer Von Stratton, I think. Her name is. <laughs> yeah, in in this garb before, even I think in the back in the first season when uh, she's visited by Snow White, or sorry, visited by Regina. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't I didn't have it. To me, it was more an homage to actually the original cartoon costume where it has the two horns going up and. Um, but not having seen Maleficent, the action, the, the movie, I, I can't comment on like you know how similar between the two it looks in terms of cuts and jewelry and cleavage. This is the, I'm building your Netflix <laughs> queue here, Kurt. It's going to be how Stella got her groove back and then Maleficent. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> if Maleficent might be in there, I can guarantee you that Stella is not. Ah, uh, darn. Well, it should be now. Uh, so okay. I will. I will do that uh, for you, Mike Bloom. I will do that. Thank you. So Maleficent's able to absorb the fire, and, and for a second, you know, they have that swirly magic effect, and it looks like she's going to do something. And that's when uh, King Stefan's men happen to arrive just in time. Now I wonder. Maybe I, I guess your theory might be correct then about, you know, Regina kind of ransacking that coach on the side of the road, because I'm assuming that's <laughs> how they found out about her. And they, they, they figured that Maleficent might be up to no good. It's not like they suddenly thought like, oh, the day of the daughter's wedding. Yeah, we should probably go check on Maleficent and see how she is. Um, and have the king and have the king, and have the king go along. Yeah, that's, that's the bigger. That's yeah. the stranger part. Yeah, that's the that's <laughs> that's a that's a, a pretty risky move on behalf of the kingdom in terms of strategy. I mean, he's the most important man in the kingdom. Don't you want to send like your head knight out, or you know, even like you could even send like a cook out there for for bait. Uh, you, you don't need to necessarily have the king command his guard out there, but he he decides to go out there, and Maleficent has uh, gets a little camera shy, if you will. And uh, it turns out that the magic does not work on her for now. And her and Regina are captured. Did they ever say what they're going to do with them besides just lead them somewhere and kill them? Burn them at the stake. They're witches. Yeah, I, I, uh, I guess uh, maybe. <laughs> although if I'm remembering and, and I, if I'm remembering my original Sleeping Beauty lore correctly, what happens is that when Aurora is born, the, the basically the three magical fairies are invited to you know bestow gifts upon her. Maleficent, a fourth fairy who is not as uh, pastel clad. I mean, I think those are like, like red, green, and pink, and you know Maleficent's all you know dark purple and black. Um, she was not invited to bestow uh, a gift upon the new newborn Aurora, and so she crashes the. Uh, you know, the baby shower, as it were, a little bit like Regina crashes the royal wedding and says, well, when she turns such and such an age, uh, you know, she will, you know, find my present then. And that's when she, you know, pricks her finger upon the spindle of a, a spinning wheel. So that having been said, if there's any similarities to that at all, if that, that coming of age happens to be Aurora's wedding, then there could be very uh, good reason for Stefan and or patrols to be, you know, keeping an eye on Maleficent's territory to make sure that she doesn't actually mess up anything. So long story short, if there was a, if Maleficent did bestow some sort of threat upon Aurora when she was born and if she's about to get married, then maybe that's a rationale for him being out here. But it is kind of a stretch. Yeah, but but we still, we don't know what Stefan was planning to do with them, with right? Them. Right, no. Okay, so you just, no. I mean, he, he bound the wrist. That, that, yeah. yeah, that was just something that popped into my head in terms of, going back to why they might be out there and why Maleficent might be top of mind in terms of this time of uh, the celebration. I, I, could, I could see that. I think that might be, I could see some legitimacy in that. But, I mean, it, it looked like at the moment that they were just kind of, they were going to lead them to like a clearing and, you know, seem like, you know, have them they'd go through like a, a uh, like Mexican death row almost, where they'll blindfold them and then just shoot them on the spot if they had guns or zap them or stab them or something like that. But and this is why you're supposed to handcuff them behind their backs, too. That's true. These, uh, you know, maybe King Stefan did not bring his brightest men because <laughs> yeah. they just kind of bind the wrist. And it's the, tr the, the traditional knot where, like, it's always on TV of, like, it looks like it can be on. It's one long rope that can basically be undone with, like, one move. But you but it's apparently impossible to get out of uh, from any one of the characters, except for Regina, who just decides to burn through it. Yeah, it's uh, 
I was waiting for her, like, you know, dislocate her thumb and slip out. And then you do something kind of from a, uh, you know, great escape type move. But no, no, she just burns it. Okay. Regina, Regina <laughs> is, uh, is acing fire class right now at her point in magical training. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the one class she doesn't skip. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she can she can do the small. She can do the flame that's just big enough. Yeah, which which, which makes me wonder. That, which is like the only thing that's making me think that she didn't really cause mass chaos and mayhem on the guy who picked her up in the carriage. Like she could have like maybe set the seat on fire and then run away in the confusion. But I, don't, I, I think he's probably still alive. Yeah, she. It looks like what she can do is she can make like one small fireball appear every like two hours. You know, she has to. She has like a recharge time, like it's a, like like it's a, had, a Hadouken or something. Um, so. <laughs> But she's able to, to burn through the ropes and she decides that she wants to attack and Maleficent, you know, is able to finally get get up enough uh, gumption get and she does get her groove back and she transforms into the dragon. Now, I'm trying to remember the dragon from the week before, Kurt, and it seems to me like and th- this might be uh, an incorrect judgment in my opinion, but did this dragon seem like a lot cheaper than the dragon the week before? You know what? I had a vague feeling about that, but also at the same time, like I was, I had downloaded like the standard def- well, even I had downloaded the standard def- version, like on iTunes while I was in Misthaven uh, last weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, so maybe the fact that I was watching it now on like a larger screen, you know, HD TV, that it just seemed like it would be more fake because it's HD. Um, but I did kind of get that impression. And remember how fake the, uh, from uh, oh yeah, Chernobog. That's what I said. Chernobog. That's what I said. Uh, how fake that looked! It looked almost like claymationy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this seemed to be more along the lines of that level of of CGI. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what their VFX budget was and how much they're a lot, a lot on these episodes, but I think maybe these dragons should be uh, saved for maybe night scenes when they're they're not so visible in the daylight, <laughs> <laughs> where it can kind of blend in with the night with the night scenery and yeah. Yeah. So that the viewers can just be like, is that is that a dragon? So what is that blob <laughs> that's in the sky? Uh, so Maleficent is able to transform. And uh, what can we assume? Do, do you think she do you think Stefan and his men ran away wounded? Do you think she was able to kill Stefan's men? Do you think only Stefan was able to get away? Do you think they all went away unscathed and just uh, just kind of shook hands and walked their separate ways? Um. My guess is, given what Maleficent did to the guards, you know, <laughs> yeah, last you know, episode, like, like five, five, five years down the road, or whenever the the, the approximate time of the wedding was, um, I'm guessing that she torched them, uh, unless she was a little bit afraid. Like, okay, you know, you know, kudos for me, I turned into the dragon, but I don't know long how long I can hold this, so we're just gonna bug out of here, Regina. Let's go really quickly. Yeah, exactly. She 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 doesn't really do anything. She just holds the position of like, oh, you don't want to stay before I do my thing, my really big thing that will be very destructive. You might want to go right now. Like if there's anybody out there who remembers if Aurora has referenced how her father died on her wedding day, I mean, that seems like a plot point in terms of like fairy tale, uh, 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 you know rites of passage that we would have heard i just don't remember if she had said that but it it seems like it would have been a pretty big deal to kill off king stefan at this point so i think it was meant to be vague and open-ended but in my mind she roasted him (laughs) so he's so we have a roasted stefan and it allows uh, maleficent to kind of 
poof inside Aurora's room and, uh, you know, Aurora tries to fight back all she can, saying that, you know, I have the power of true love and that can defeat anything you have. But uh, Maleficent has that sleeping spell that she foreshad- that she uh, talked about before and she just quickly pricks her with it and Aurora goes to sleep, uh, which I believe is different from the position where we find her at the beginning of season two, which is in the middle of like that, that dais almost. Um, and you know, Regina Maleficent thanks Regina for reminding her of who she was. And this is a, a friendship we see being forged here. Kurt, what did you, did you feel all warm and fuzzy inside when you realized this, uh, this homance was, uh, was being, became whole, <laughs> <laughs> which man should I say, which man's instead? Let's, 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 let's go with, uh, 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 yeah, let's go with witch man. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, it's, better than, it's better than the term. It's better than the term I came up with during our Top Chef podcast. So uh, that's true. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Is so. Did you did you have any sort of? Uh, did we saw a friendship being born? I mean, I know the Regina Maleficent relationship hasn't been talked about a lot, but I guess in counterpoint with the with the uh, the main story in this episode, did you did you enjoy this storyline? I did. I it, it's. It's one of those weird things. I can't remember. It, it, it felt like there's a lot more time devoted to it than necessarily needed to be. Um, but I did enjoy it. I especially enjoyed when she does go back to Rumpelstiltskin and, uh, and he basically points out to Regina that, uh, like, um, she actually wasn't teaching you, Regina. If anything, you were teaching her. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that. He's like, wait, didn't you went to her to get taught and you didn't learn it, anything and luckily the writers were good enough not to have regina be like yes i did i learned how to be a friend or like something you know cheesy like that and that's one to grow on (laughs) yeah but i mean we also need to focus on the fact that in this next scene um regina is standing over what looks to be an unconscious horse and maybe i have a dark mind kurt but the very first thing i thought of was did regina just kill that horse (laughs) (laughs) i i was like is the horse breathing and uh, and I, I, I was wondering, I didn't go immediately there, but I was wondering, um, and then I didn't know if she was going to pull a, a Luke Skywalker and then gut it and crawl inside to stay warm. All the empires feel like it was a top, like a I top, thought it top. smelled bad on the outside. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we go, they, they own Star Wars now, so you never know. That's uh, they, we could, they could have, we could have had a Tauntaun reference in this episode, right. but, uh, and, and here's where I think we, we see the fatal mistake of revenge plots, too. It's like Regina explains how she did put the, the horse under the sleeping spell because death is too good for Snow White. I'm like, no, if you're going to. OK, she, she, she needs a teacher on revenge as well, because if um, if your goal is revenge, then death isn't too good for somebody. Little does Regina know that actually after this scene, the horse's one true love galloped into the stable and, and kissed the horse on the mouth and now the, and the horse woke up <laughs> that's 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 a scene that actually that, that's for awesome. that's that's a part of horse upon a time or yeah. one, or once upon a horse i don't know i don't know which one we want to go with. <laughs> twice upon a horse a third time upon a horse um like here's the other thing like if she's like no i'm gonna put snow white to sleep then that's not like revenge for Don, that that doesn't make things tough for Snow White. They make tough things like tough for Charming. Yeah. It's not Charming that she wants revenge on. It's Snow White and to Snow White. So whether you're asleep or whether you're dead, it's pretty much the same. You're 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 not you know lucid and in the waking world. So I don't know. 
it is interesting. Though I don't, do you think Regina knew that if that if Snow White uh, was fall, fell into that deep sleep, she'd be transported to that weird room that was on fire? I was just gonna say, did we see a horse skeleton in the room that was on fire? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't remember that. Those are one. That's maybe one of those um, those freeze frame types of scenes where we need to. If there were a lot of Easter eggs, we need to take a look at it. Like uh, like Danny's Danny from Game of Thrones dream in the House of the Undying. <laughs> Yeah, is that season four? <laughs> uh, see, that was season two. End of season two. Uh, oh, so, uh, so let's let's segue here into the main story. We talked about before uh, Maleficent's new uh, Dick Tracy esque garb, but Regina's there to meet her and Grannies, and uh, they basically basically the, the storyline of this main thing is it's like a combination of like Greece and Mean Girls uh, of like if, I, I, if you took a drink every time the line like. Uh, every time the word soft was said in this storyline, you'd probably be uh, on the floor by like halfway through this episode. Yeah, I, I you know what? I really like the Greece analogy because this is very much. Uh, yeah. Is, is Regina in the in the in the Sandy role here? Yeah, though, it's it's, it's like if Sandy was a bad girl. Since Rizzo. Yeah, if she was a bad girl <laughs> in Australia and then she moved to. Rydell High, and then she became good again. But yeah, Maleficent is absolutely Rizzo, and yeah. Ursula can be, uh, I don't know, Jan, and Cruella is Marty, and I guess Gold is, I don't know, Kaniki. Does this, so that makes Cruella the beauty school dropout? Yes, Cruella okay. is the beauty school dropout, and Pongo is Frankie Avalon. It's like I can't, I can't do my Stella Goddard groove back references, but I know Grease is up, up and Perfect. Down, so. We are we are in the the right vein <laughs> but, here then. <laughs> Let's let's bowl, let's bowl, let's rock and roll. Or is Grease Two a little bit too much for us right now? I uh, we we might have to save Grease Two references for the next episode. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. Um, so yeah, so Regina and Maleficent have this conversation. You know, this is the first time that they've seen each other since Maleficent was revived, and you know they didn't end things on such good terms considering Regina trapped her in the the uh, under, undercarriage of the library oh so long ago. Uh, but you know Regina is is making the pitch that you know I'm done with the heroes and. You know, we have to destroy the hero's happiness to get our happy endings. And um, Maleficent, you know, is is very is wary. But out of the three queens of darkness, she's the least wary, probably because she knows Regina the most. Um, we cut to Snow and David that basically tell Emma about Regina's plan. And Emma's storyline in this episode is that she is basically telling everyone this is a stupid plan. Why are you doing this plan? Did you? But you you skipped over the shot that that, that they oh, made. Oh yes, the shot, the shot, and crushing the glass with her hand. To prove you're a bad girl, do a shot. And I'm like, that's like every Friday night in Chicago. If you go out, you just see a bunch of evil villains, apparently. I, I thought it was like a magic potion in there at first. I didn't think it was just a regular shot. It was just tequila. It's, except I wasn't sure if crushing the glass happens after you lick the salt or before you suck the lime. So, well, vill- uh, villains don't do either one of that. It's, it's take the shot and crush the crush glass. The glass. And then snort it, maybe. We didn't see that part. They edited that part out. Well, apparently they trashed grannies, so for all they know, yeah, they, they, had, they could have that's just true. smashed everything in there. Yeah, but, but sorry, as you're saying, like, you know, flashing ahead, we see David uh, telling Emma that Regina's kind of going undercover with the trio, and Emma is... It, the one issue I had with this episode was how little faith people suddenly had in Regina again. Yeah. Like I, the whole time, I just wanted to like take Evan by the shoulders, like you know, trust her. She knows what she's doing. Or as as you know, Regina would say via a left behind phone, "I've got this. She's got this. I can just trust her." 
Yeah, and it's it's weird that like I don't know Emma, this person that's capable of extreme evil, and you know has had occasions in the past where she's like abandoned her family and everything. Like, is not as you know uh, supportive of Regina. You know, I think I think Emma seems like the least supportive almost in terms of like she insists on tailing Regina and she keeps telling <laughs> Regina that this is a this is a, like a horrible idea. So like Emma, just just take a step back. Regina has ex- Regina knows these people. She has experience. I know yeah. Brent. I know Brenton compared this to a relapse, but I I, I doubt that's going to happen. It's it just seems that the level of reaction by our friend Emma was not commensurate to the uh, level at which she should have been reacting. It was a little, a little much. Uh, and has, has Emma even seen the trio or the, well, she hasn't seen Maleficent yet. She, no, no, she saw, she saw, she saw the duo cause she was with Regina when the, when Chernabog got killed and they, they let the, the two into town. Oh, that's right. But it was like, but she hasn't like, sat down and had a one-on-one with them at all. She doesn't really, really converse with them into any depth. No, she, just, she doesn't really know. She doesn't know who they are as people. Yeah. But, she, but we, we do know that she's familiar with uh, uh, the Wicked Witch, and that there's, several, there's several stories that have, that are actual, the, what am I trying to say? There's several kind of fairy tale characters in which the fairy tales are part of common culture here in the United States that Emma is familiar with. And so like, I'm wondering, does she know of the little mermaid? Has she seen 101 Dalmatians? Does she know who these characters are? Yeah, that's very true. She's brought that up in previous occasions as well. Now speaking, you know, we spoke about uh, costume design before. Kurt, did you enjoy uh, Emma's gray knit hat throughout this episode? (laughs) Uh, You know, not, you know, it didn't leave a lasting impression on me. So I actually, it it wasn't something that I could, that I'm like thinking back, I don't actually remember it. So it didn't really phase me. Was, was it a fashion faux pas? No, the the only thing, the the only thing I really noticed about it was because this is really one of the first times we've seen Emma in a hat. So that was, Uh, that was, that was the only thing I really noticed about it. Not something, not something I was, although one thing I was thinking about just for the the last couple episodes, and I was waiting for it to happen in this episode and it didn't happen is I remember in the, you know, two episodes ago, there was the whole, um, when, when Emma picked up lunch for Regina. And it was like a kale salad and root beer. Yeah. And then, oh, I, I did notice it because later on, I'll bring it up. And then last, uh, and you know, and then there was the whole, you know, chocolate donut, not chocolate frosted donut uh, thing yeah. with, with, uh, with Henry. I'm really wondering if every episode they're going to bring up some sort of food just to see how ridiculous they can make the viewing parties of once upon a time because i know that they have like people have, here's a list of the official foods for once upon a time viewing yeah, parties yeah they, they have hot they have hot chocolate and there's like lasagna too right yeah. i wonder if they're just like really messing with the fans in the back half of season four just like let's mention some sort of food in every single episode or the or those scenes happen to fall like right at the end of the day of the writing schedule and they're like oh my god i'm starving you know what i could really go for a donut not a chocolate donut but a chocolate frosted donut and they, yeah. just, and they just like inadvertently write it in there you know when you're thinking of something while you're supposed to be writing something else yep anyway sorry just but i did not notice the hat but i did notice over the past few weeks food and maybe that's because i'm perpetually hungry <laughs> The other cool part about this scene is that Emma is able to uh, bring up a part of her past, which, you know, you're always happy when characters do that as part of a serialized television show. She brings up that she was a bail bondswoman, so she should be the person that would help Regina because she knows how to be someone else. Kurt, were, were you excited that she brought up being a bail bondswoman? It's, it's something that's kind of been neglected in the past couple of seasons. 
Yeah, it is nice to have a kind of a callback to you know the the classic things that we know. And at, at the very least, it's for for people who have been with the show for all four seasons. It, it's just at least a nod to you know to a nod to that history. I think is a nod to the fans. So it's it's something that you know. I mean, the, I think the the bigger question is that it almost raises is okay. Yes, you used to be a bail bonds one, but have you changed? Are you still? Do you still have the skills that you used to have? Um, I think that's almost the the I think the the bigger question that that point raises is 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 she the same woman she was before she came to Storybrooke? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's a larger question on the whole. I, I I was just happy to see her bring up that that fact since we've seen her as you know the savior for so long and that that idea that, that we kind of forget about the stuff she did outside of Storybrooke. But let's let's talk about the train here, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> so the queens of darkness uh and the, for their first like test for regina is the second game- test the first test was a shot this oh, is the second test second test was <laughs> now, what did you get the name of this game that cruella called it uh don't be a hero don't be the hero that's what i thought it was i just wanted to make sure um so she just parks the, tr- the car on the train tracks and says you know the first one it's basically a game of chicken it's like the first one to poop yeah. us out poop us out of the car loses and it, it, it's it, it seems you know, going back to the whole grease metaphor is like this seems like the sort of, you know, stupid dare thing that you would see in a, you know, 1950s uh, high school sort of, uh, you know, drama. Uh, so it, 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 this I think the whole train chicken scene fits in right with the whole grease analogy. Yeah, it's very uh, it's very like American graffiti almost. Yes. It feels like something right yes. out of that. Um, but I mean, we talked about this before, but but Kurt, where where the hell did the train come from? <laughs> Oh crap! You're right. <laughs> I forgot that there's, there is a what's train. The train doing there? <laughs> Who's driving the train? <laughs> this was the Hogwarts Express. But what? It what? cuts through Storybrooke uh, after it leaves London. Uh, um, you know, it's funny. We were talking at the beginning. Like, it'd be great if there's a train station in, in Storybrooke. I completely forgot there's a train in this episode. <laughs> but what? But where, where, like, did when Regina designed the town, did she put the train tracks over there, and the trains just always been passing through, and nobody's been saying anything about it? Well, to be fair, we don't know to what extent Regina, quote unquote, designed the town. I mean, it, it's not like she, you know, you buy a Lego set, you can follow the instructions, you know, that come with the set, and it kind of you have no control over what is going to appear before you. You just follow the steps and, hey, there's a town. Or you can take the component pieces and make your own thing. We never really got to see Regina sit down and say, okay, I'm going to make sure that Granny's is right here and blah, blah, blah. So um, I don't believe that Regina put that much detail into it. Uh, Perhaps it was just one of those things where there was already a train going through this open countryside that Storybrooke ended up in. And this was enough on the outskirts that this could just – you know, happen to be there. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I didn't. I didn't have too much of an issue with it. I think it just. I think <laughs> this just raises a bunch of questions. You know, like if someone outside of Storybrooke is driving the train, do they just see nothing when they're driving through? You know, since according to yeah. pe- people outside of the town, don't see the town. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm not like. You know, have people been using the the train for years at this point? And where's the train coming from? Are there even trains in Maine? Like this, there's a. I've, I'm I'm very fixated on this train for now, but I'm I'm gonna. I, I'm can, gonna <laughs> I will definitively answer the last question for you. I am certain there are trains in Maine. 
I'm certain there are. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you on this one that there <laughs> that there are trains in Maine. Um, the, but the trains in Maine stay mainly on the plane. Oh, that's that's probably yeah. where my thinking was wrong. Uh, yes. Yeah. Now you're very very <laughs> elocutionary, Kurt. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, well, I think the the bigger issue I had. Well, first of all, you know we see the purple smoke swirling around the car as the train gets closer. I thought that was Maleficent. Me too. Like, I, maybe I don't have my color-coded smoke down yet in terms of signals. Um, I mean, I thought maybe the smoke was actually white and white and you know blue uh, instead of you know blue and gold or whatever. Um, or is that a dress? I really it can't. Be, oh, it was, the, like it was the dress that Maleficent wore. There we go. Um, but at first, I thought it was Maleficent that did it, and then like they they cut to the interior of the car, and I'm like, and who just did that? Um, the second thing, I think, wouldn't the real villain thing be to just save yourself? Yeah. Like, teleport yourself out of the car? I th- and uh, yeah. that wouldn't be a heroic thing to do, and you'd still be saving your butt. And so, eh. I, I'm not sure also what the villain's plan was with that game. Like, were yeah. they going, to, if Regina didn't poof them, because she also poofed them out of, like, the very last split second, would they have done it if she didn't, or were they just all going to get hit by a train? And then, they, and then Regina won the game. <laughs> yeah not really entirely sure what the thinking was on this one uh unless the train was an illusion yeah you know that as i talked about before this uh this group is very methodical in their thinking and considering that they're led by gold it makes sense but this this does this just doesn't seem to make much sense in terms of in terms of a, a, a cog in the machine that is this plan yeah and i don't think the train would have been an illusion either because regina has been here long enough to know that wait, there's never been a train track here before. Or, you know, if you live in a town for long enough, you know that the train's going to come through at about this time because traffic is going to be in a snarl or something. So she knows the train schedule. It's her, t- it's her town. Yeah. She knows. So, 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 so the fact that Regina was like, this is, was, was acting as if the train was real made me think that the train was real. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what the, if, if the plan was that if Regina hadn't done something, then that one of them actually would have done something half a second later. That's the only thing I can assume. Yeah. So, I mean, Regina does prove them out and Cruella and Ursula are, are disappointed in her, but Maleficent sticks up for her and says she's just a bit rusty. And Regina tries to make up for it by saying, you know, let's go find some real trouble. And apparently that involves <laughs> trashing grannies and finding a police car. And did they burn it or did they just like trash it? I seem to remember it like it seemed like it was like smoldering and like like it was like uh, like still smoking. Mm-hmm. So I and I think the 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 thought was wasn't the thought that it had been done by Maleficent in dragon form. I would I would uh, I would assume so. I mean, Regina just says that it was Maleficent's idea. So I, I that would be the assumption I can make. Yeah, I, th- I think it, 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 regardless, it was it was pretty, pretty well destroyed. Yeah, which I mean, I wonder what they did to get that car to. Did they just go to the sheriff's station and pick one up or did they find one by the side of the road? Another 1950s element of cinema joyriding. That's very true. At least at least they didn't do like a Beverly Hills cop and put like the banana in the exhaust pipe. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Um, but, you know, so so David and Snow find her the next day and uh, in a scene again mirroring her kind of walking home from Maleficent. They find her wandering around the forest and they're 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 PO'd at her for uh, for burning up a police car. But, you know, Regina says it's all part of the espionage and she she gives up the information that, you know, the Queens of Darkness admitted to her that they're 
they're hiding something powerful, but she doesn't know what. Um, and I was, know, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was really kind of perturbed with David at this point. Like, well, how, how come we don't know yet? It's like, dude. It's been one no, night. Yeah. I know. Exactly. Like, seriously, give the woman time to infiltrate. And it's a long con. Um, and yeah. Although at the same time, it's one of those things where, you know, as we, you know, you alluded to earlier and we find out later on is that, you know, Regina is actually the one that's being a little bit conned here. Um, it's one of those things where, like, you know, she's taking her sweet, careful time to infiltrate where the villainesses, in reality, just want her to do it. Yeah. Like, we, we know what you're trying to do here, but we can't let you know we know. So we can't tell you to hurry up. Yeah, exactly. It's it's basically each side saying knowing exactly what the other side's doing or, or thinking that they do. And basically, it's, again, very slow moving for a show that moves very quickly. This this episode seemed to just be a lot of the two sides just kind of sizing each other up, basically, with Regina in the middle. Yeah, this is it's, it's interesting because like lots of these story, lots of these story hooks, no pun intended, uh, and 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 lost storylines, we don't know going into them if the intent is this is going to be a five episode arc or this is going to be accomplished in a single episode. And I had thought that the that Regina gaining the trust of the villainesses was going to potentially span several episodes. <laughs> so I was actually okay. That's, that's why I was a little, I was impatient with David's impatience. Um, but then, yeah, we find out that no, it did the whole uh, infiltration thing basically takes place in the course of the single episode. Yeah. Uh, so the Queens of Darkness go to visit gold, which I guess they're, they're evil layer, evil layer. Uh, you know, the Legion of doom is located in uh, a log cabin, which gold apparently owns, which is out who knows where, I guess people are not monitoring, monitoring the, the log cabin out there. Uh, considering I think they had a fire burning at some point. So there'd be definitely be smoke coming out of that chimney, but I digress. This, this isn't the cabin, um, that Zelina had gold, uh, captured in the storm cellar outside of it. No, I think was, that was, I think was that was more of like a cottage, like a farmhouse. Okay. Because, it, and again, they'll, will you know, let us know in the comments if we've seen this cabin before, because Regina recognizes the cabin later on. And, and, um, and well, she built it. Oh, Regina built the cabin. Well, I mean, if you're giving this Lego set analogy, she was the one that theoretically put the, oh. put, put the cabin down there in the land. Well, no, she well, she she recognizes it as Gold's cab, cabin, and so I was just wondering if we had seen this before in the series. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, this is a job for our our lovely commenters, our yes. e, our eagle-eyed viewers. Um, but I, for me, in this scene, I it's interesting. I feel like Gold is actually buys into Regina being on their side a little too quickly, considering that he seems to be like the most duplicitous character on the show. So, but he almost immediately believes like, oh, yeah, Regina has been spurned by a love once, not once, but twice. So she's totally on our side now. Yeah. And I guess this is the point where maybe I spoke to you soon earlier. It's that they. This is it's almost like at this point they suspect that she's onto them. It's at this point that they craft a plan to turn the tables on her. It's not, they didn't know from the beginning that she was going to try. It seems at this point, they that is at this point where once they speak with gold and let her know that Regina's kind of sniffing around that they decide to cook up a plan to, 
uh, you know, throw the first punch as gold puts it. Yeah. I, I believe that's where I think this, okay. is, so this is where gold, I think sets the plan in motion to, uh, have Regina kidnap Pinocchio. Yeah. Okay. So before that, we get to that though, um, Maleficent visits Regina in the crypt the next morning. Um, first time we've seen the crypt in this half of the series. Not since it was, uh, it's not since it was dirtied last, last story arc. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but she's carrying uh, this this world's form of magic, which is two aspirin. I guess I guess they're very hungover, uh, which I never get on these shows. You know, people who are hungover never really act truly hungover, in my opinion, mainly because Regina is not like puking her guts out at this point. Yeah. And when she spoke, when she was speaking with David uh, earlier by the burned out police car, she seemed fine, maybe a little tired, but uh, maybe she just internalizes her hangover. Yeah, could be could be the case. Um, I've been there. <laughs> but Maleficent tells her that, you know, the Queens of Darkness, she admits she gives her some information and says the Queens of Darkness are after the author, since according to their story, Gold told them about it when Ursula and Corella were beating the, the crap out of him out back in New York. Uh but Regina uh she wants she has a job that Regina needs to do. But before Regina can do it, uh we have, as Regina puts it, the entire charming softball team and their pirate mascot kind of confront her in the library. And this is again, everyone's now in David's mentality of like, okay, did you do it? What'd you find out? Are we good? With a little dose of Emma, it's like this isn't a good idea. This isn't a good idea. Guys, I want to find suspic- uh, yeah. suspicion. Yeah, uh, this isn't a good idea. By the way, did you find anything out? The, the, and the whole you know charming softball team and pirate mascot comment may win the award for my favorite comment of the fourth season. Yeah, I I'd, I'd agree with that uh, so far. Aside from I, I still do enjoy the. Uh, during the spell of shattered side episode when you know when uh regina and, and snow white have that fight and they they throw a couple barbs oh, at each other but this is this is definitely a good one i always love when once upon a time kind of breaks the fourth wall and talks about how intertwined its cast is um plus hook would make a good mascot for a team i'd, I'd want like a uh a steampunk looking pirate as the mascot for my softball team yeah yeah good he, he's just missing an eye patch yeah very true the- yeah <laughs> The and of course again we hear Emma warning Regina that this is dangerous and like again this is not her first evil rodeo she knows this and I and I was very heartened to basically hear like this is the point where we as the audience know that what Maleficent has told Regina and I think we're all waiting what does Regina tell the charming crew and she tells them the truth they want the author to shift I mean and it, and actually it nicely set up the distinction between Regina and the 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 queens of darkness is that you know regina wants a happy ending for herself the queens of darkness want to shift everything so that the villains win and the heroes lose so it it kind of puts everything into perspective about yes they kind of want the same thing they are both looking for the author they are kind of both looking for happy endings but regina's looking at it at a more micro level in terms of i just want to get a happy ending for myself once Whereas the other, the evil three are much more. Yeah, but like know, destroying villain, everyone else. Villains get it and the heroes do not. Yeah. So Emma, you know, Emma harkens back to her bail bondswoman skills here. She she tails Regina throughout. Apparently, I don't know what sort of tracking she put on her phone, but uh, she tracks her the entire time. And uh, Corella's car pulls up that's enchanted to drive itself. So I guess we get a nod here to Herbie the love bug or maybe unintentional. I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't think of that, although it, it does kind of uh, it is 
it, it, it does make us question our original assessment of what Cruella's powers are. <laughs> That's very true. If she has the power of influence over animals and machines. <laughs> yes. Animals and four-wheeled vehicles. Yes. So that, that um, definitely widens the options there. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yes, yeah, so it's, it's just Maleficent and Regina on this one. Uh, but the 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 task that regina is set out to do is basically to kidnap pinocchio um and regina brings up you know i i I, uh, you know i interrogated him last episode and he didn't have any sort of information and you know maleficent says well you didn't ask hard enough or have you gone soft and (laughs) she's like oh i'm not a i'm not a sissy so she goes in there and she she you know after marco's so kind to let her in by the way second episode in a row with marco which is fun to see him come back uh she (laughs) second episode in a row with the little pinocchio guy not as much fun to see him not as much fun to see but he'll be he'll be short-lived apparently yes um so yes so they while they're working on their rocking horse she she knocks them both out but before she can do anything emma comes in and is like what the hell are you doing (sighs) yeah and and i like that you know regina says you know they're you know, they're working together. They're taking a page from the, the hero playbook. And so we need to take a page from their book and break some rules. Yeah. Um, and I don't know exactly what that rule breaking is going to entail, but I'm like, it's just one more bit of evidence for me as a viewer that Regina has us under control. Yeah. And I, I, I and I, Emma needs to chill. <laughs> and I, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but one of the things I was really looking forward to with this story arc is not only like the idea of heroes and villains, but the moral shades of gray in between. And this is definitely an example of like, do the ends justify the means? You know, is it worth it to kidnap this child if it means that you'll be able to eradicate the world of these villains? You know, and it's what decisions do you have to make to ensure your own happy ending? And I, I like, you know, and I love the fact that Regina is so uh, has so much regret about this specifically in the previous episode where marco was so nice to her and and gave her august's satchel with all those pages in it uh so to have her come back like a day later and knock him unconscious and, and kidnap his son is uh it's pretty cruel and, and we we completely forget that this is the mayor of the town doing this that's true <laughs> absolutely like, hmm. there's no like but eminent it, domain here <laughs> but i mean it's hard to say if the end justifies the means because i don't because at this point we didn't know what the end really is. I mean, there's kidnapping, but what is kidnapping is almost more of the means. What is the, the end? What is the result that they're trying to get from the kidnapping, kidnapping him? What are they going to actually do? Cause you know, typically with kidnapping, it's not so much to, um, you know, get information from someone, but to like, you know, extort the parents out of something. Yeah. In this case, you know, Marco doesn't know anything either, uh, but we, we do later find out what the actual plan is. And that's like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. One, one other thing I will point out about this scene. Uh, and I mean, Emma has just been spilling the truth to this episode because she finally admits something that we've all known for the past like season and a half. Emma's superpower is on the fritz. <laughs> <laughs> We could, things we could have told you in season two. Exactly. Said, <laughs> um, which, again, I'm glad that these writers kind of remembered the fact that she can't really tell who's lying anymore. Just decided to throw it into a line. It, it, it probably, you know, it might contribute a little bit more to if Emma turns over to the dark side, that this, this might be a leading factor. But uh, I, I was happy that the writers at least acknowledged it. Yeah. 
That's, that was nice. So, um, so you know, uh, Emma decides to finally relent. She buys into Regina's uh, I, uh, philosophy here. And so Regina regretfully kidnaps Pinocchio, but she decides to ditch her phone with the signal in it and leaves just a cryptic message of, I got this. Now, I wonder if it was in all caps uh, for emphasis or, or if, you know, the phone was stuck in caps lock. But uh, I well, it's one of those things where it's just like the blank screen and the words, I got this. I'm like, I wouldn't know how to make my phone look like that. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's it's like centered and there's no other like, 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 you know, speech bubbles on it. Um, it seems like, you know, you wouldn't want to. I'm assuming Regina knows exactly what's going on with the phone. So I'd be like, can you just delete the app instead of leaving the phone behind? Because I think you might want the phone later. Yeah. In case, you know, some, if somebody calls and says, hey, Robin Hood's back, you know, yeah. you'll you'll want to get some sort of a call here. Um <laughs> I think, you know, it's it's I think the same reason why the phone was blank, except for I got this is the reason why uh, gold was using like Windows 95 to get email. Like, <laughs> yeah, you got you got to go with the generic stuff when you're not shelling out copyrights to True. Yahoo or AOL or anything. True. Uh, but then we'll uh, we'll let's let's uh, keep the, the last scene in the cabin uh, in our pockets for right now. Let's let's jump back. And the, the, the beep story of this main storybook plot wasn't too much. It was centered around Bell and Hook. But we can talk briefly about it here. Um, and you I mean you, t- you talked about I think the food for this episode was probably chocolate cake or a weirdly like almost phallic looking chocolate cake. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it, 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 this is where I had wished that – what's funny, actually, on my, my flight back from Mist Haven, um, ha, uh, had the first six episodes of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland on the flight oh, boy. just randomly. Uh, I did not watch him, um, but I'm wondering if this was an illusion back – because he, he seemed uh, – Will Scarlet seemed fearful of the cake – for some reason, the cake is um, a lie. I was just going to say, unless the cake is a lie. <laughs> um, but no, we all saw the cake. So the cake was not a lie. Um, and so I didn't know if that was maybe a reference to something that he, some cake encounter of the wonderland kind that he might've had uh, in that, in the, you know, in that, in that parallel series. Um, but see the other, and I, we're probably not going to you know cover it much. There was also the small scene where we do see, uh, Henry investigating the the picture of the door in the book with a magnifying glass. Like uh-huh. he's looking at the the grain of the paper and looking for additional clues, maybe scribbled in the margin or something. Like there's got to be a clue in this image somewhere. And Bell brings him a donut, but it's not a chocolate donut. Yeah, and that was like the big. That's like a, that's like the one thing I have in all caps in my notes is it's not a chocolate donut. And he seemed happy with it. Yeah, so maybe, maybe, he's maybe either he's. I think he's so in depth in his investigation that he's probably not a stickler for the donuts he's getting at this point. Okay, that's better than my, like, he was just messing with his mom in terms of, like, his, his how particular he likes his donuts. So, so. He, he might just be a, a brat going through puberty yeah. right now. Yeah, so there's there's root beer. I think there's kale salad or whatever the other thing was the first one. There's yeah. chocolate donuts, and now there's chocolate cake. Um, wow, it's a lot of a lot of fattening things at these viewing parties. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so Hook comes in, and uh, you know, Bell introduces Hook to Will, but it's clear that they have history with each other. Now, I couldn't remember any history between them besides Hook being the crap out of Will Scarlet all the way back in like the fourth episode of this season. Yeah, I mean, they've had enough history to have more than a passing familiarity with each other. I mean, there was I can't remember the exact reasoning why that they they got beat up. And I remember that Emma was on the hunt for Will for a while. I think Hook was trying to help her. Um, But, you know, they 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 know of each other. I was more surprised 
honestly, that Bell had to ask, oh, you two know each other? Because I assumed that everybody knew that Hook knew Will. Yeah, that's so. true. And you would think, you know, she'd been hooking up with Will for the past six weeks or so. <laughs> you, thought, you thought the name would have come up at least once. It's a small enough town. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so Hook pulls Bell aside out of, you know, their extremely awkward uh, dinner date to talk to her. And uh, basically, Hook kind of tells Bell, uh, recaps to Bell what Regina told them, and that uh, he personally thinks that the Queens of Darkness are after Rumpelstiltskin's dagger uh, to gain control over him, since, you know, he's outside the town, but they can still manipulate him. Uh, and I think he brings up the idea that, like, they could possibly kill him, which obviously hits Bell close to home. So, Hook's idea is let's unearth the dagger and let's hide it someplace else since they may have got you know they may they they might know you well enough to know where the location of the dagger is now kurt at, at what point throughout the the course of these scenes did you realize that something was a little off i was suspicious right at the beginning um not when not when hook sat down at the table but when they were first having the conversation about getting the dagger when the dagger was first brought up i was like is this really hook? But then I was like, but he did seem to know Will and he did seem to be acting very hook like. So I was like, it's probably him. So at this point I had considered that it wasn't him and decided it seems like it is. Yeah. I, I was late to the game. I didn't realize it was, it was not hook until the moment that I'll talk about soon when, you know, he says, well, so they, so they pull up to it. I don't think it's the graveyard. I think it's just a random patch of dirt. And they, of course, of of course in the rain, this is the the third important, uh, third episode in a row where an important scene occurs in the rain, much like lost. And, uh, they, you know, they, they dig up the dagger and, uh, hook says, you know, uh, I think Belle's about to hand hook the dagger, but she says like, "Oh no!" But I just I have this terrible feeling somewhere that you know that Rumple's around here somewhere. And Hook says like, "Well, to test it out, you could always just call him forth, and if he does, then we know he's here, and if we doesn't, then then we know he's somewhere else." I think it was during these moments when I realized that something was up. Like yeah, it's when she she was about to hand it over, then she's like, oh, "I'm getting cold feet. I'm getting second thoughts. I want to keep this to protect myself if he is around." I'm like. Oh, well, something, something's going to happen. And then, and then Hook, what Hook recommends to her is exactly what I was thinking. It's like, you know what? Command him to come. And because I think at this point, I was thinking that if anything, Hook was Ursula or Cruella or Maleficent. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't think I was thinking that Hook was potentially Rumpelstiltskin. Um, and then I said, well, you know what? Yeah, command him to come. And then, so she, he he then recommends that. I was like, oh wow, that's 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 kind of that's kind of interesting. And the moment that she does, I realize and nothing happens. Or you know, the moment that she starts to say it, I'm like, oh, oh, like because uh, I think the, the the moment you're probably alluding to is that there's this look in Hook's eyes. Yeah, when, well, I, th- I think his head turns actually to look at her when when she when she actually says it. Well, because I think that she's the way she says it, it's something along the lines of I want hook. I want if if gold is in the area, if Rumble Stillskin's in the area, I command him to come here and face me. And he literally like turns yeah. to face her and she isn't noticing it. And 
the moment, like as she was saying it, like, oh God, it's that's that's him. He's already there. And then the look in his eyes confirmed it. I was like, okay, that was that was that was good. That was good. But but Bella did not realize it, and that's, no, that's the didn't. key part of this scene. As she's like, oh great, well he's gone. Here you go. Bye 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 bye. She's gonna go have a date with Will, and then she she drives away. And of course, as we've alluded to, Hook turns out to be gold in disguise. Now. Again, this might be something for our commenters. Has Gold ever showed the capacity before to disguise himself as another person? I feel like he has. I can't remember anything like right off the top of my head at this moment, but I feel like he has in the past. Because this is something that he, a- he could utilize this in so many different ways if he had the capacity for this type of magic. I wonder if it's any sort of thing where like he can only do it if he's taken the person's heart before. Yeah, because like, like, for example, he could kidnap one of the tertiary people like he could kidnap Archie, for example, and just masquerade as Archie the entire time. So he won't have to hide in a cabin. <laughs> but that means pretending to be Archie. Uh, that's true. That's kind of a uh, it's the, the worst, the worst of a, uh, of a of a situation you could do. <laughs> yeah, just throwing it out there a little disappointed. We haven't had any Pongo action in town since Corella showed up, but uh, we we'll hope we've got some more episodes. Left. I think Pongo's hiding under a table right now, wetting himself since he sensed Corella coming into town. Can dogs wet themselves? Well, I guess you, you know, wet, implied- wet, the, wet the ground. <laughs> yeah. So it almost implies clothing. Anyway, sorry. Diverged, <laughs> so, uh, so you know, gold, gold is still disguised as Hook when he comes back to the pawn shop and he says, he says the deed is done and he, I think he makes up this cockamamie pirate's oath which involves them like touching each other. <laughs> Basically, he's, he copped a feel. He did. He did. <laughs> so there's, no, there's no way to, to you know, sugarcoat it. Basically, he copped a feel as Hook. Yes. Did he, use, okay. did he use the Hook hand or did he use his regular hand? I can't remember. <sighs> I can't remember. I think he must have done his regular hand. Um, yeah. I don't know if Bell would approve using the hook hand, but uh, Gold kind of tries to make conversation by pointing out like, oh, I see that rose is from Will. How how are things going? And, and Bell basically says, you know, well, it's it's different, which I think sums up the relationship, considering that even in the one scene we saw them in together, they've had no chemistry thus far. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know how much this relationship is going to get developed, especially with all the main stuff going on. But it, again, I have to reiterate what I said last week. It's kind of like a WTF pairing only to make drama happen. Yeah, it's like Belle's you know, supposed to be the, the, the brainy Disney princess, like a quote, quote unquote princess heroine. Um, and, and Will does not seem to necessarily uh, meet that. This is, this is almost like the, the opposite of, uh, it's a little, it's a little beauty in the geek, but in this case, Belle's the geek and Will's the beauty maybe, but you know, Belle is beautiful. She was beauty and beauty and the beast. Um, so it's, I don't know, it, it does seem kind of strange, but I, I was waiting for like this to me, this seemed like one of those moments custom built, to show how, you know, gold completely got away with this plan. And had he not stopped to ask about Will and had his interest in but that, he, I thought he was going to slip up here. Yeah. I thought something was going to happen. And he didn't really. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought there's probably a twinge of him that wanted to, like, appear as himself and try to coax Bell into taking him back. But he he thought, well, oh, I'm glad I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah, I will say in your in your Beauty and the Beast comparison, I feel like Will is a like nicer version of Gaston. So we get to see, like, what if Bell chose <laughs> Gaston? A little bit. Yeah. Um. So 
uh, yeah, so let's let's jump back here to the final scene since it kind of ties everything together. Uh, Maleficent is brought to the cabin, uh, brings Regina to the cabin, and it turns out that the 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 triple cross, I guess, is revealed in that you know the the dark magic that the queens of darkness said they possessed was actually gold, and um, you know he he has a nice little moment here where he brings up the flashback that you know sometimes the teacher needs to learn from the student and that he you know he like learned from regina's actions and now they're all on the same side uh and this is gold apparently gold has a, a apparently a bunch of magic that he's never used before as of this episode as he's able to carry in the unconscious pinocchio and turn him back into august which i guess i mean uh, i think the blue fairy was the one to turn him into a, a boy in the first place so it makes sense that he has such powerful uh magic that he's able to do so i'm just surprised that it hasn't been done before Although if we go back to the like the, the rules of magic as we have learned through three and a half seasons, it it seems like the trans it it seems like from what we have learned that the, the transformation magic of one person cannot be undone by another person. It almost seems like you have to get the original person to undo it. Again, not something that we have specifically been told, but it seems like that sort of rule would be thematically in the rules of how we have learned about magic over these three and a half years. Yeah. There's, I mean, it could be a, it just, it's just a, a subject to look at. But. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, we, we have adult we have adult August back here, Kurt, but it yeah. it looks like it's um it's not with good news as it looks like that they're going to torture him. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's uh, it's it goes into full saw mode here. Yeah, yeah, we're going into saw slash like tw- maybe even 24 mode here as the yeah. Queens of Darkness next episode are going to torture August. I don't know how uncomfortable the torturing will be considering it's a family show. They might just like <laughs> put, do like magical things to him to make him feel like he's going through shock therapy or something are you are you excited to see adult august back even if it's just for a couple of episodes i am i really liked him as a character i really like him as an actor i was i'm curious to see where this goes um uh and, and it's 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 nice for somebody who hasn't had a major role since i mean let's be honest season one i mean he did yeah. he, he had he like had, two episodes in season two yeah just a hand like his his it's it's nice to see him uh back again uh so again it's it, it probably won't be more than, you know, one to three episodes, if that. Uh, I think the over under is probably two point five here. I'm going to take the probably take the under on that. But uh, it, it's it's good to see August back. Yeah, a, a fun because he, he he was one of the first characters other than Emma and Henry who was not a storybook character when we first met him. Mm-hmm. But it, well, well, I guess you know he, he like he did end up being Pinocchio. I think we were we were kind of led to believe that he was potentially gold's son for a bit of time there. Um, but like he was the first person from outside storybook that came into storybook. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was, it's good to see him. Yeah. And I'm, I'm even more excited to see him because this is one step closer to us finding out major things about the author. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy because the last thing I want in this story arc is to be, you know, people asking who's the author, who's the author for like 10 episodes. And then we find out the author just reveals himself in the 11th episode and nothing really happens. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. like the, the season five finale of Lost with Jacob. So I'm I'm excited if, you know, I think August in the preview said he doesn't know anything about the author, but I'm hoping at least one major thing comes about out about the author. So it kind of satiates my appetite for some sort of uh, resolution to that storyline. Yeah, he either knows something that does help him. He knows something that 
although he may not recognize it, does have to do with the author or the fact that he was kidnapped um, and returned, something comes to light about the author. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they find nothing from August, but there does end up being something in his duffel bag that that does help one of the teams looking for the author. So if you out there have any sort of theories as to uh, how what August might know about the author, or if you have any comments about well, the, the sudden magic that Gold possesses, or if you have any ideas as to who might be driving these trains through Storybrooke, uh, you have a, a bunch of ways to contact us. As always, you can leave comments on the show page. Um, you can always subscribe to our Once Upon a Time only feed on iTunes if you haven't done so already. You can do that at postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes. Again, that's postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes. And while you're there, please feel free to uh, rate and review us. That'll obviously bump us up in the, in the queue so we can, uh, Kurt and I can celebrate by having a nice big slice of chocolate cake. And you can always, of course, reach out to us on social media. Kurt, how can people find you on Twitter? Um, I am at Kurt Clark on Twitter. And I am at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. Now, while you're here on Post Show Recaps, please uh, tune in to any and all shows we're covering here elsewhere. Uh, a little bit of Seinfeld, Saturday Night Live, Walking Dead, Justified, Better Call Saul, House of Cards just finished. And uh, if you're looking for a little more uh, Mike Bloom action, I just uh, sat down a few days ago, Kurt, with uh, the one and only Haley Strong to talk about the first season of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. Have you seen that show yet? I have not. It is fantastic. Wonderful. Check it out. You you and the listeners, check it all out. Now, it's, that's number three on your queue. Might even be bumped up to number two ahead of Maleficent. <laughs> so can, I, can I swap out Stella got nope, a group Stella, back? No, how Stella got a group back, it's always number one now on your Netflix queue. <laughs> Damn it. Now, Kurt, do you have a hashtag for, for those people that have made it through the entire way? We probably can't do August torture porn, even though you guys did it for the amazing race. <laughs> I do not podcast. want to be known as the torture porn guy on the RHA. <laughs> torture porn hashtag bloom. Um, how about roasted Stefan? Roasted Stefan. That's S T E F O N, right? I think it's A N, but all right. So roasted Stefan S T E F A N. Use that if you've made it all the way through uh, again. Thank you guys uh, so, so much for listening. We, we always appreciate it. Uh, you know, uh, we always appreciate the questions and the comments you send to us as well. Uh, so we will be back next week to talk about August and all things torture. And, and we'll, we'll see how these things progress. So again, hashtag Roasted Stefan if you've made it this far. And uh, remember, everybody, a pirate mascot is the perfect thing to use for your up and coming softball team. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. <laughs>